In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Get ready. It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, live on Toganet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio features the powerful voices of Christy Hawley, Robin Boyd, Linda Franklin, Tracy Coston, Danny Kiernan, Susan Haid, and Lisa Dietress. Together, these women bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms living with cancer, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and Christy Holly has the day off. Today, we are going to talk about change and change with respect to illness, specifically cancer. Robin, you and I both know quite a bit about those topics. We do, and as we were talking a little bit ago, Sandra, and last week, we talked about change. We talked about the seasons and the kids going back to school, and those are all expected changes or changes that I think we can muster up enough uh, spirit to face. And in all of those times, I, I think we're able to process them. But when the time comes that all of a sudden it's our own strength or our own health that changes unexpectedly, that's, I think, when we're the most vulnerable. And I think if you're a mom or, or a dad who's running a, a, a very busy family, when those things happen to you, it sort of uh, stems out and everything around you is, is truly affected. So I think one of the things that when we've, t- when we've had people uh, visit us and talk about cancer in this series that we've done on, on Motherhood Talk Radio, I think it's wonderful to be able to focus on the inner self and strengthening your mind and strengthening your heart and strengthening your soul so that you can physically strengthen your body with whatever treatments you're having to face. Well, and Rob, I think you're right on there because, you know, when you look at changes in your life, the expected changes we can prepare for, the changes that happen seasonally, you know, like the kids going back to school and soccer and stuff like that, we get better at that. You know, when you're in kindergarten, yeah, it's your first time to go through that. That's one thing. But as a parent, by the time your kid's in fourth or fifth grade, it's an expected change. And you kind of have a toolkit in your emotions and your physical life and your your, um, relationships to, to handle those. But when when cancer strikes you as a mom or as a, 
you know, family member, it's the unknown. You know, it's a completely unknown territory. And then there's so many unknowns. You're waiting for test results. And sometimes the test results aren't conclusive. And more often than not, they aren't. So you don't even know the outcome of a lot of these things. And that adds just a whole another psychological dimension on top of managing change. And it does. And in, in, in aligning with what we talk about on our military show, Sandra, where when someone has either an internal or external wound, it doesn't just affect that one person. It affects the whole family. And it's the same thing when there's a, a, a serious illness that one person has to face. Even though the one person may be battling the disease, it, effect, it affects the whole family. And the whole family needs to deal with the disease because they either need to be supportive, they need to pick up some, uh, some part of the household, but they also need to help be the support that the person needs while they're going through their journey. Well, and they have their own feelings about it. You know, they might feel scared or unsure or nervous or angry or upset. I mean, I remember feeling all those feelings, you know, when I was sick or versus when, uh, you know, I was watching my family members be sick. You'd think you'd have those tool sets, but it's a completely different a ball of wax, and I think too, Rob. You know, and we'll talk about this later. And it's it's even different depending on who has who has the cancer, who is the sick person. You know, and my mm-hmm. grandparents had cancer. Yes, it was sad and upsetting, but it was expected because they're supposed to go before me. But then when I was sick as a thirteen year old, mm-hmm. you know, everyone was so upset because it's a whole different animal when it's a child that's sick. You know, there's there's just so many different dimensions. So many different levels. It is. And, and San, in, in all of these thoughts, and we've, we've approached them in so many different ways in all of our conversations that we've had over the last three years we've been together. One of the, uh, the foremost uh, places that came to my mind to uh, begin our conversation today was the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Because if you know anything about these um, facilities, this network is a privately, are privately held hospitals that are comprehensive, fully integrated in, individu- in individualized cancer treatment. And one of the um, doctors in their staff was so kind to agree to come on and and visit with us today. Dr. Christina Shannon serves as the clinical director of naturopathic medicine and um, she is in the Midwestern Regional Medical Center and her role includes heading up the hospital's team of naturopathic oncology providers and leading the department's research initiatives. So with someone as uh, astounding as that, uh, we are very appreciative that Dr. Shannon's willing to spend the hour with us. Are you, are you here, Sh- Dr. Shannon? Hi, Robin and Sandra. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you both this afternoon. Thank you. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. One of the things that we have been talking about, Doctor, is the fact that just the word cancer still knocks people's socks off as far as being scared and not knowing what to do. And I think 
The first thing um, that I remember doing is just wanting to know, okay, where do we start? But there's so many things that have to happen before you can start the battle. What what would, uh, once somebody is... I, well, I guess I should back up a little bit because I know the diagnosis was very difficult in my particular case. What do people expect um, to face right off the bat when all of a sudden they're not feeling well? Well, I think that um, it's important for every person to consider that when they have a cancer diagnosis, it's a, it's a big change in their life and how do they deal with that change. And there's going to be many aspects that come into play with that diagnosis and all the changes that they, that they have in front of them. And what I would hope is that a person would consider a team approach at that time with all of those changes and that new diagnosis. Um, and the reason I say that is because I'm working, I've been working with patients diagnosed with cancer for almost 10 years, and a large portion of that I did in private practice, and I helped patients to create that team approach using community resources. Um, here at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, we have it all under one facility, under one roof, um, and it's a team approach to care. And... Um, we bring that care to the patient instead of them going from place to place. But in both situations, that team approach does work because it helps a patient to um, deal with all of those changes with a, a variety of specialists, and, and that team approach does work. Yeah, yeah. Do you meet, do you have somebody in, in your facility, and I'll say um, when I was first diagnosed, I was at Mass General in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up having one caseworker, I guess you could say, I, I, they had a term for it and I don't recall, that actually helped guide me through some of the um, who the people I was going to be talking to. I remember sitting down with a, like in a conference room with maybe five or six different people. That was overwhelming. You, we, we have a, if it's a new patient coming to the facility, we have a nurse navigator. And that nurse oh, navigator nurse. helps the oh. patient. So it's one person and that nurse helps the patient navigate their way through beginning of treatment. And so that initial evaluation once a patient starts treatment here at the hospital, they'll then be given what we call a nurse care manager, and a nurse care manager is actually part of the patient-empowered care team. So there's a, um, a group of individuals along with the medical oncologist. So there's a medical oncologist, a naturopathic doctor, a registered dietitian, a mind-body counselor, a clinic nurse, and then that nurse care manager. That nurse care manager helps the patient navigate the rest of their process of treatment throughout the, throughout the time they're with us. That's so important because I can remember taking my mom to Roswell. Uh, this is Sandra, Roswell Institute, Cancer Institute. And it was so overwhelming because we had so many appointments and we didn't know where to go and we weren't sure how long we would be there, you know. And I love the term navigator because that's exactly what you need. You're sick, you're afraid, you're unsure, and there's somebody that can navigate you even just through the maze in the hospital to get you where you need to go is really, really important. 
And I think being a liaison too, because not only is she helping or he or she is, is helping the person with what the facility is uh, distributing, but at four o'clock in the afternoon, when all of a sudden you don't feel right, it's really helpful for a family member to be able to call that navigator and to be able to say, I'm not sure if I should tell you that (laughs) my mother just broke out in hives or, or there could be something very odd and I think that was one of the things that was reassuring that I knew I could call that one caseworker that one person that was just so helpful Mm -hmm. Um, Sandra we're going to have a break here in a minute Um, your mom was sick with what kind of um, cancer my mom my mom had uh, died from breast cancer it was breast cancer mine mine was Hodgkin's and um it was very, very fortunate that it was a, a very treatable cancer, which actually at that point in time helped to allay the some of the fear. Uh, but when you don't know, I think it's it's always just just uh, a, a very difficult thing to do. And that we're going to have more with Dr. Shannon when we come back from the break. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about maybe some of those roles that Dr. Shannon was just listing, some of those categories. Maybe she can help us decipher some of those. Be back in a moment. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love. Got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many people? Fertility. It's an extremely personal subject. Tune in Monday nights at 9, 8 central for the Fertility Forum with infertility psychotherapist and expert Phyllis Martin on toginet.com. This is the show about infertility, gaining support, and information. Phyllis will assist you in navigating the disappointments and decisions that often accompany the difficult journey from diagnosis to conception, pregnancy to parenthood. She is passionate about her work and is an expert in the donor egg field bringing both her personal and professional experience to all she does. Ms. Martin has extensive experience in helping patients cope with infertility, pregnancy loss, adoption, surrogacy, miscarriage, pregnancy termination, and creative family building. She knows what you're going through, and she's here to help. It's the Fertility Forum with your host, Phyllis Martin, Monday nights at 9, 8 central on Togginet.com. If you've ever been confused about the facts surrounding non-surgical rejuvenation and cosmetic plastic surgery, we're pleased to introduce to the Rockstar Radio Network audience, Spirit Lift, Plastic Surgery for the Soul. Each Thursday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, host Kim McKenna and plastic surgeon Dr. Sadi Irfani will help dispel the myths surrounding this exciting field and lift the veil of mystery on a very important topic. With advances in nutrition and self-care, many of us want to look as young and vibrant outside as we feel inside. Plus, listeners will be able to call in live and share their questions and get advice on the air. A show where you will learn how to look and feel your best and be your best. 
Join us to have your spirit lifted on Spirit Lift Plastic Surgery for the Soul each Thursday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, mamas. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and today is one of our series on cancer and Today we're going to talk about navigating change, the changes that happen in our life, the changes that happen in our emotions and our physical aspects of ourselves. We have Dr. Shannon here today, and Dr. Shannon, I want to ask you first, um, you mentioned, or Robin mentioned, that you are a doctor of naturopathic oncology. You have to explain, I've never even heard of that, and I'm sure many of our listeners haven't either. Sure. Um, I'd be happy to explain that. Most of the patients that come to the hospital are um, are looking for an integrated integrated approach to care, but they also are unfamiliar a lot of times with the term naturopathic doctor. So basically a naturopathic doctor is a licensed physician who specializes in using natural therapies. So my training is similar to a medical doctor in that I have four years of undergraduate pre-medical sciences, and then five years of naturopathic medical school. So I'll study, again, similar to a medical doctor, those same basic sciences in those first two to three years, so the same anatomy, physiology, et cetera. And I'll study pharmacology, minor surgery, but I also study nutrition, the use of vitamins, minerals, amino acids to treat disease. I study herbal medicine. I study mind-body techniques. I study physical medicine. So I study a wide variety of natural therapies. Um, I'm board certified and a licensed physician. There is licensing that is different all over the country. So right now there's 15 states that license naturopathic doctors as primary care or specialty care physicians. And um, we're trained to help people use natural therapies to treat disease. Got it. So you're really a lot of the whole body, too, not just the disease. Oh, absolutely. We are looking at all of the interconnected systems of the body, how they all work together so that we can address emotional um, aspects of a patient, physical aspects, spiritual aspects. So we're looking at the whole person on a on a regular basis. That's the, the, the core of our training. I think that that is so uh, critical to anyone's recovery in that if your body and your mind is in a strong frame of mind, then whatever you do either uh, therapeutically or, or traditionally it's it's just going to work better. <laughs> I just truly believe that. I read a book, and unfortunately, it was so long ago that I had my experience that I don't recall the title of the book. But it put it in very basic 
terms that if you uh, have a battle and you need to have your soldiers fight the battle, you have to feed the soldiers, you have to make them healthy, you have to put them in good frames of mind, and then they can go off and, and, and meet the battle. And that was just that very simplistic il- illustration in my mind that got me to say, all right, I'm not just going to go to the doctor and take a pill or to take a treatment. I'm going to mentally get through this. <laughs> that was that was right. the fight. It's it's very true. I mean, we see patients on a regular basis that are coming in in the middle of treatment and they haven't had support and they're looking at their whole system and supporting themselves nutritionally and emotionally and they're having a hard time tolerating treatment. And once we begin to... Um, address all of their concerns with the different members of the team, they do much, much better, and they handle treatment um, remarkably well. Mm, Well, and Dr. Shannon, when you talk about how you're handling it, like that's something like I heard with you, Rob, and I've heard with this, you know, with my mom's cancer and then my dad has cancer now, you know, when you talk about handling it, like, you know, my brothers and sisters and I as a whole family, like, we all went on the Internet. We're starting to research what treatments are available, all the stuff, you know, the pros and cons, like, you know, the life, you know, the first thing I did was, you know, when I mom's diagnosis was in is how long is she going to live, you know, and you, you get on there and you feast on this information on the Internet, and it's like an emotional roller coaster because if you read something positive, you feel great. If you read something negative, you feel terrible, and a lot of it's conflicting, and so... My question to you is, what role does the Internet play in all this? Because as far as I'm concerned, sometimes it causes more trouble than it's worth because I'm not a doctor and you are, but yet all this information is out there. Right. I, you know, I, the Internet is, um, is, is a wonderful source of information, good information, but there's also a lot of um, not-so-great information on the Internet. and. I see people every day coming into the hospital on all sorts of therapies, and and some of those therapies are recommended by family, friends, because they they mean well and they want they're they're looking on the internet and they're trying to find the best thing for their loved ones. And some of them are really good choices, and again, some of them not so good. Um, but I think you need somebody. And actually, let me back up and say that. Most patients coming in are doing something, and I feel very comfortable saying that usually it hasn't been evaluated by a medical person looking at their diagnosis, what their treatment is, and what is the best thing for them to do. Um, And, in fact, we see that research shows us that many people don't even tell their doctors about all the natural supplements they might be taking. So I think it's very important, actually, for patients to have a safe environment to talk about these therapies so that patients feel comfortable telling their physician what they are taking. Um, And that's a big part of my role on the team at Cancer Treatment Centers of America is to foster that safe environment so that people can discuss all of the treatments that they are considering or looked at on the Internet or have already started doing so that um, I can help them navigate that process. What is good information, what supplements would be most effective, and what types of, you know, drug, nutrient, um, herb interactions are there so that we don't want to do things that might not be beneficial during a treatment. So, um, you know, bottom line is I think patients need assistance in navigating that information in order to make sure that it's safe and it's the most effective use of their finances and their energy into their um, treatments. 
And I think one of the things, too, is that it opens up a dialogue with your doctor. If you've read an article on the Internet and it says maybe this would be appropriate in your in a given situation, it, it's always something that you should take back to the doctor and say, right. I've read this. What do you think about this? How, how do you think this? And, and he may or she may be able to say, Yes, this this is something that I've heard may uh, may uh, or I've read about or I've studied about, or it it may be an answer that she's going to say. You know, this could conflict with the treatment that you're already on, right. um, and, and we may think, oh, it's only an antacid, but it's an antacid that's right. not going to uh, be compatible with whatever you're you're taking right now. Right, and, and I, you it's know, not like a real drug. And as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking of a patient that had come into the clinic, and um, she was a very young woman. She was very um, frightened of her diagnosis, and she had done a lot of researching on the Internet. She had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and she was looking at, you know, what alternative treatments were on the Internet, what could she do. Um, she came to us with severely restricting her diet. So she had stopped all meat. She had stopped mm. all chicken. She had stopped all grains, including wheat, rice, corn, dairy. She had stopped all sugar, including fruit. And um, she was a, a small woman, so she didn't really have a lot of opportunity to lose weight. And um, she was eating mostly vegetables and beans because she was so um, frightened about what she should eat and that she was going to make the wrong decision and she was going to make things worse for herself. And, um, you know, in that very first visit, I began to discuss with her what was the accurate information about the things that she read on the Internet and what were things that were unproven that weren't weren't doing her um, the best by, by continuing that. And, um, you know, so, for example, I explained to her why avoiding all fruits was not the right thing for her to do. I helped her to understand where that mm-hmm. misinformation may have originated from so she could begin to understand what was correct about the information and what wasn't. And then, you know, I got the um, dietitian involved on the team to talk to her about what a healthy diet would look like, look like. What should she be eating going forward now during treatment and afterwards in order to stay healthy? Um, so, you know, she started eating a healthier diet. She became stronger. She was able to go through treatment. But the fear that she had with being so overwhelmed with all that information was um, was causing a lot of distress for her when she first came to see us. Mm. Well, and the, it does the whole family. I remember when that right. thing came out about sugar. And, you know, my sister, who I have a sister who's a nurse, a cousin who's a nurse, and everybody was all over my mom, don't eat sugar. It's going to make the cancer grow faster. And, you know, and it it does. It just tweaks the whole family, whether it's it's true or right. not. Right. Exactly. It's a family affair, and it affects everybody. Um, I think, too, you have such a... Um, your body just doesn't feel right and you don't know whether you're doing something wrong because you don't feel right and right. there again that's where your navigator is certainly going to help you say if, if you have an issue gee I feel I have a headache why am I getting so many headaches you right. need to talk with your your dietitian or the naturopathic person that's right. just such a, a, a wonderful element of your your whole care right that navigator is very important because that's a person person that the patient can call at any time. They can call any member of the team at any time, but if they're not sure 
who should be helping them, or maybe multiple people can be helping them with the same the same problem. That navigator is that point of contact in order to help them um, figure out what to do next. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have another break, uh, Dr. Shannon. And um, on the other side, I'd like to bring up some physical changes that happen that compound the emotional changes. I think it's so scary when you are all of a sudden realizing that all of your hair is in the sink or mm-hmm. all of your uh, eyebrows are completely gone. It, it's very, very difficult uh, to face the physical changes which impact the emotional changes. We're talking with Dr. Christina Shannon today. She is uh, from the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and we are so grateful for her time. Stay tuned. She'll be back on the third third break, uh, third half of the Listen show. Every day unfolds. Challenge what the future Try and keep your head up to the sky. Love us, they may Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V I K T O R and I movie.com. And Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central on Toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central on Toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Pinrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpinrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. As your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds. Trying to keep your head up to the sky. Love 
Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and we are, gosh, we're already halfway through our show on cancer, and for those of you who have tuned in late or those of you who have uh, missed our earlier shows on cancer, you can pick them up on iTunes, you can pick them up on motherhoodtalkradio.com, you can also go to our host station at toginet.com and look at our earlier broadcasts. We have done, I don't know, Rob, two or three series in this cancer series over the past year? Yeah, at least three, I believe, and and it's been the the uh, feedback has been wonderful because so many times, and I hear it so many times, just even locally, people just aren't sure what they should say to their doctor, or they aren't sure what they should do, or what's coming up next. I know um, I, I was chatting with a fellow who's on a local committee that I'm serving on, and he's going through some chemo, and he said, "Gee, everyone." told me that I was going to be so sick from chemo and I really wasn't and I said you know it's going to be different for everyone and each each chemo session is going to be different he might feel fine right now but the second or third one he, he's not going to feel it that day but he's going to feel it the next day and he needs to make sure that he doesn't have a full day of uh, commitments all, all of that day um, and, and in fact and I'll just interject this this is one of the things that I did because I had little kids when I went through my journey and I had a lot of people say, oh, gee, I'm so sorry. I heard all about what you're going through. Just let me know if I can do anything. And I think sometimes that just comes off of people's lips so readily that maybe they don't realize what they're saying. But with me, (laughs) I carried a piece of paper and a pencil around with me, a pad of paper. And I said, great. I appreciate that. Let me take your phone number down. I'm going to call you next month. And I would have this little roster of people who were either going to take my kids to school the day of my treatment or drive me to chemo the day of my treatment or pick my kids up after school the day after my treatment. So I knew that I could conserve my energy and not necessarily expended on something that I knew someone else could do just as well. And then when I needed that special family time for my kids, I needed to be at the school play. I needed to be at my daughter's uh, event that she was doing. I had the energy to do it because I sort of orchestrated this little team to help me through what I needed to do. You know, Robin, well, that I think allowed that- everybody to help you, too, when you feel really helpless. I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very wise, too. I mean, I think most people do want to help people in a situation like that, but they don't know what to do. So I think they're actually right. relieved when you tell them exactly what you need. You know, I need you to pick up my child from camp this day. You know what I mean? I think yes. they feel helpful, and they feel relieved that you're giving them a, a very specific thing to do. I think the other thing that's important that that does is it involves it involves the child's um all of the people in that child's lives involved in this process. So they understand, their friends, parents understand what's happening with that child. So they can also help that child to go through the process so that there's other people that that child can talk to. And then there's also other people that are watching for signs that that 
child might be having difficulty with all these changes? You know, are they behaving a little bit differently? Have their teachers noticed that their grades are different or they're, they're you know, playing by themselves at school or so that you have a community of people involved in helping the whole family get through this cancer diagnosis? And I think, too, it is a little scary for the kids. I know I mine were in the... Um, Sixth and eighth grades, I was trying to think mm-hmm. which, what ages they were when, when I was uh, going through my treatments. And um, there were some physical changes. There certainly were emotional changes. Mm-hmm. And I tried to involve my kids to a great deal. I didn't mask things. Um, I didn't go into, oh, my God, I could have this or I could have that. I tried very hard to say the doctor said today that this is this is a good thing or or I, I need to be careful about um, when I'm at the if I'm at the grocery store in the wintertime and a lot of people are coughing. Maybe I shouldn't mm-hmm. be shopping at that that point in time. I brought them to my treatments. I brought them individually, not together. Um, they had mommy time and I went brought them to a chemo session and then when I did modulated radiation um, I brought them to see what that was like and we Mm -hmm. made a day out of it it helped because they didn't know what was happening to mom physically and they didn't know why I was crying sometimes Mm -hmm. and it did help them that we could talk about it Um, speaking of the physical changes Dr. Shannon when all of these physical changes happen, um, how how prepared do you feel that you're able to, or I should say, how do you prepare a new patient for what's ahead? You know, I think you um, made a point earlier in the show where you said physical changes can be very different from patient to patient. One mm-hmm. person may have fatigue. Another person may have a lot of trouble with their appetite and their taste while another may be experiencing diarrhea. And so you really have to be ready to address all of those issues individually for that person because it, it isn't the same for every person. Mm. And, um, and you have to really look at these changes, these physical changes. They, are, they impact a patient's life, as you, as you well know. You know, they change whether you're going to go to your kid's school event or whether you can continue working. Um, And more importantly, if they become too severe, they can also affect you being able to tolerate treatment. You know, so it is important to work with um, a group of medical professionals who have a lot of different skills to address different physical complaints. Mm. I used I, I wore a wig during my time, and my daughter and I shopped for our, that wig. <laughs> to this day, it was a, it, we remember that day because it was kind of special. There was an awful lot of meaning to purchasing that wig. Um, and I, I, for me, I, I just am not that pretty with a bald head. I'm kind of short and I'm kind of round, and <laughs> I felt a little self conscious. But what I I did feel was that. When I was with the kids, because there again, my children were young enough that there were always kids around, it wasn't as difficult for my children to have to always answer, oh my God, your mom looks different, what's the problem? And that they could then tell who they wanted when they wanted, as opposed mm-hmm. to um, it being very evident in, in most of the 
small town knows everything that just came around. Um, what about things like skin care and perfumes? I know that a lot of times there's so many new sensitivities that people find when they're going through their particular treatments. You know, when it comes to like skin care and cosmetics, people do become, when they're going through chemotherapy, especially pretty sensitive to smells. Um, mm-hmm. and, and those smells are going to bother them. So things that did not bother them before may bother them going forward. So I do recommend that people either use more natural-based cosmetics or fragrances or don't use any fragrances at all. Um, For some of my patients, I'll actually, um, even for our radiation patients that say, I want them to use lotions, we'll use things like coconut oil, which is the same type of coconut oil that you would cook with, but you could use it on your skin. It's a wonderful emollient. I'll use things like calendula lotion, which is marigold, um, and it doesn't have any scent to it, but it helps with healing of the skin. So I use a lot of um, natural-based cosmetics as well as things for the skin so that we avoid those synthetic um, fragrances, et cetera, that seem to bother patients the most during treatment. So I think the the simpler you go in those areas, the better patients handle it. Well, in the irritation, I know my mom would complain about anything that had alcohol in it, anything that had, you know, her skin got so sensitive. You know, and with respect, when you guys were talking about hair loss and wigs, I know one of the things my mom said is that she could forget about her cancer, um, like when she was playing with her grandchildren or whatever, when she had a hat or a wig on. But when you see the burns from the radiation or you see the irritation on her skin or her hair loss, that was a very physical reminder that she was sick. And I think that psychologically was, it was a challenge. Do you find that with your patients, Dr. Shannon? I do find that, and I think that's when you're seeing, you know, those physical changes affecting the emotional health of that patient. And um, and um, I think hair loss is so difficult because it is a constant reminder for a patient if they're trying to let it go or forget about it. it it's hard. And so I think it's important, um, again, to address those Emotional changes, what I think I would want listeners to know about the emotional changes in cancer is that it's very important to have support of friends and family and have a good network around you. Also important to have a professional counselor perhaps involved because a lot of times patients will, um, they won't completely open up around their friends or their loved ones. They may, they may not, but a lot of times you're trying to protect your loved ones because you know that they're also upset during this process. And so I do think it's important for people to have that person, that that go-to person that usually is a neutral party, a professional counselor, that they can completely let go with and completely um, discuss all of their fears and concerns um, and um, address them so that they can um, handle these changes that cancer brings easier. 
It is, it is a challenge and it is a journey. And thank goodness uh, we have people like you, Dr. Shannon, that can give us such good advice. Uh, we're coming up to another break. We're going to be into our fourth segment shortly. And on the other side of the break, I'd like to talk a little bit more about resources and where people can turn for more information. Um, and we are speaking today with Dr. Christina Shannon. She is from the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And we'll also make sure that we find out where exactly all of those facilities are because it is a growing network and we are so fortunate to have uh, Dr. Shannon with us today. Uh, by all means, go to um, our website if you want more information and, and hear our past podcasts. As always, we want to make sure that you have all of the information that we are, are so fortunate to have here on Motherhood Talk Radio. We're going to be right back with Dr. Christina Shannon. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. I am beautiful no matter what they say Words can bring me Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright. Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you ready to get your woo-hoo on? From business and branding to babies, best-selling books, and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio. Love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick-butt action, best-selling author and chief woohoo woman, Lisa Stedman, wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, lisastedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoon News at 4 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can bring you down. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck. 
bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Mamas, um, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and we have Dr. Shannon with us with Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and um, we will uh, talk today uh, about the navigation of change with respect to a cancer diagnosis, what you can expect emotionally, physically, what you can expect with your family. Um, and I'd like to talk a little bit about the family in this segment, Dr. Shannon. Um, first, I'd like to ask you a question. How is it different when you see a cancer diagnosis in a family with what the patient goes through versus what the family members go through? Because I think, you know, it's one thing to be the patient. It's another thing to be the family members. And they're two really different experiences. They can be very different experiences. Obviously, the patient is going through a lot of physical changes that can lead to emotional changes. And the family is trying to help that patient through all of those changes, the physical changes, the emotional changes, I think that the key thing is to make sure that everybody is well supported, you know, that you are, I'm always checking in with the patients as well as all of the family members that are coming to the visit. And so that allows the family members to ask questions and get involved in their care as well as allows us to identify if we think that that family member needs some extra help. You know, do they need a counseling session? Do they need to get some more information? Do we need to involve them more in that patient's care so they're empowered? You know, I think natural therapies are a really great area for family members to get involved, you know, if they get involved with lifestyle changes so that, that patients are, are walking with their family because we know that exercise affects outcomes tremendously. So I think getting the family involved and empowering them to be involved in the patient's experience and helping them to um, eat better, be more physically active, or just be with them when they, when they need um, time. I think um, that is how we approach um, the patient as well as the family. We, you always have to include everyone in this journey. Now, as part of the journey, you know, dying is part of natural life. It is a part of our process. When, when it's that time, how does how does you how do you support um, the family members? You know, there's some who want to have more treatment. The patient doesn't want to have treatment. You know, in the letting go process, in the if if the treatment isn't successful and the patient is dying, how do you support the family as a whole with respect to those different opinions? I think, number one, I think what we try to discuss with the family is that we have to respect the, the patient's wishes, the patient who does not want to continue that treatment anymore. We have to really respect where they are in their journey. It's then very important to help the family members have enough information that they are comfortable as well with that decision. So I think that's a time when... Lots of different members of that team helping that patient have to meet with the family members in order to discuss the diagnosis, 
and, and the prognosis so that they fully understand it and they know that all has been done to help their loved one so that they can come to a closure and, uh, and uh, an acceptance of the next stage. Where, Dr. Shannon, can people turn? Uh, someone in our chat room, for example, said that they had found an awful lot of information at the Schwartz Center, which is up here in the Northeast. What about the Cancer Treatment Centers of America? First of all, where are your facilities? And second of all, tell us a little bit about your website, even if we're not in your neck of the woods. Okay. Um, we have hospitals in Atlanta. Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa. So we have facilities throughout the country. If somebody wanted to learn more specifically about our integrated team approach, they can go to our website, which would be www.cancercenter.com. And if we're not a patient of the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, would I still find information at your website? I think it's very, yes, absolutely. You can find information on the website and you can find all types of information about different treatments, et cetera. So it's a good resource for mm-hmm. um, individuals that are not patients as well. Mm. And what about insurances and how does one become patient? Do you need a referral in order to go to Cancer Treatment Centers of America? You do not need a referral. You can contact on our website. You, there are um, numbers on the website that potential patients can call, and they mm-hmm. would be um, hooked up with an um, oncology um, specialist. So that specialist will help to determine if they, um, you know, they will go through the process with them, with the insurance process, et cetera. So that would be the first step if a patient wanted to look into being treated at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I see. I see. And have you had success, let's say, if uh, someone felt that they were uh, needing a different opinion from what they're getting in their local area, um, can people come and at least uh, be have second opinions there and second then opinion. obviously be a part of your of your network? Um, absolutely, they can come for second opinions. We have patients on a regular basis that, you know, have um, a, a physician at home, but they're wondering, you know, is this the right course of action for me? And they want to investigate how would we approach it at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. So, yes, we see patients coming for evaluation such as that every day. Yeah, and and it is so difficult, and I think sometimes you you really do just want to say, all right, I do trust the person that I'm with, but with medicine and the whole industry changing so frequently and new mm-hmm. developments happening, new discoveries happening, more research, um, all of a sudden you're saying, gee, I wonder if there might be something better for me. Uh, I just think it really does make sense. And then if the second opinion says, you know, you're on the right course, then right. you can go back with the confidence to say, okay, I'm really doing what's right for me. And that's, that's so important. Right, absolutely. I think it's very wise for, and we were just talking about how families are involved. I think it's very wise to get that second opinion. And it's, it helps family members as well, again, be comfortable that their loved ones are getting the right care, that we've investigated other options. And, and then you make the choice once you know what all your options are. 
Absolutely. Well, and I think you guys, there's regional differences with cancers, too. I know, like, my dad is from Buffalo, and he has a very aggressive, advanced stage of skin cancer. Well, nobody in Buffalo where the sun never shines, there's no Mohs doctor there, which is a special doctor that works right. on skin cancer. Out right. here in California, where it's more popular, there's a lot more treatment options. We didn't know this. We just found out because he happened to be visiting me when he needed a treatment. Mm-hmm. And we could see right there, you know, no sun in Buffalo, not much skin cancer, lots of sun in Southern California, you know, a variety of additional treatments. So does Cancer Treatment Centers of America, when they have different locations around the country, do they have a network that shares information? Share, um, we work together as a complete network on a regular basis. So if we felt that um, a patient would be benefited from services that we have in another facility, then they would be referred to that other facility. So we um, have the opportunity to all work together. So absolutely, we use resources from each hospital on a, on a regular basis. Hmm. What about uh, if someone has a PCP that's not in your network, um, are you able to coordinate with that PCP? Um, if I say Say that again. If we have, if a patient has a, a PCP not in our network, yeah, it yeah. only it, it only matters if the patient's um, um, our um, OIS representatives will go through the page with the patient in order to determine their insurance coverage, etc. But we yeah. coordinate all the time with PCPs at home that are are in um, different networks than we are. So, yes, of course, we yeah. coordinate with all of their local physicians. And, in fact, as a naturopathic doctor, I often see patients who are seeing other um, specialists in the natural health care field, and I, and I coordinate care with them as well. So I reach out to them so that they're comfortable with what I'm doing, and I educate them on why I'm doing the certain treatments that I, that I am helps the patient to feel much more comfortable and helps them to get very good care. That's wonderful. And I and we kind of rifled a number of questions right at you, <laughs> in some of which are somewhat specific. But you know what? That's what everybody is sitting home thinking when they're starting to begin their journey is, is what do I do? How do I coordinate this? What about my insurance? Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know if I can afford this. And when you have to all of a sudden start looking at your money versus what your treatment might be, that's always so scary too, because right. all of that is part of that whole person that we were talking about. Right. And as I said, our um, oncology information specialist, which you can get that number on our website, again, at cancercenter.com, they would help patients navigate that initial um, look into Cancer Treatment Centers of America and what is possible. That's wonderful. Dr. Shannon, thank you so much. One of the things I noticed in your biography that was online is a statement saying hope is important for every individual and hope is very individual. Isn't that so true? And thank you so much for your time. You've given each one of us such individual hope in that we know whether we're facing this journey or we're helping someone through the journey, we know we can do it and we know that there are people you included, that are there to help guide us. Thank you so much, Dr. Shannon. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. 
And Sandra, I know next week uh, you probably have a busy week planned. Uh, we'll have to just invite everybody to come back. We we may have Christy back next week. I don't know. You know, it's it's hit and miss with the baby coming and with her new job. So we'll play it by ear. I think we want to say hi, Christy, and um, thanks thanks so much for everyone tuning in to Motherhood Talk Radio. I hope you come back next week because it's always a pleasure to have you here. Take care. Thanks, Sandra. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood Talk